leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. is a longtime healthcare policy analyst who's both worked within hospital systems and advised major healthcare organizations. But when he recently collapsed on a golf course due to severe dehydration, he was given an up-close and personal view of the murky world of hospital billing. We spoke to Keckley about his experience, the challenges of deciphering hospital bills, and why he thinks it will be market forces rather than price transparency that reigns in healthcare costs. Paul, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. As someone who's worked in the healthcare system, advised healthcare systems, analyzed them, made his living as a healthcare policy analyst, we're going to talk to you about hospital price transparency and your recent up close and personal experience with healthcare. You recently collapsed on a golf course due to severe dehydration. I'd like you to begin by telling us what happened next to the point you left the hospital. Well, uh, I ended up there uh, all day that Saturday, and they ran a series of tests, uh, beginning with the EKG and then followed by uh, an MRI. So they're ruling out uh, initially a stroke, and then they also do the MRI to check for stroke and any other issues. Um, and after clearing that, they hooked me up to an IV pole and pumped me full of liquid and let me go about eight and a half hours later, and uh, I went home feeling better. Um, but from there, uh, the, the teaching journey began. It was... Uh, it was at that point I moved from being an analyst to being a participant in the system. I take it all as well now, and you're feeling better, at least until you got your hospital bill. What did the bill show? <laughs> it was kind of interesting because, uh, you know, you don't really know in an emergency situation what to expect. And um, I guess, you know, in reflecting on this, five weeks later, uh, I received the first financial information from the hospital about that experience, and it basically laid out um, $13,000 plus of charges, which had been submitted on my behalf to the insurance company. 
So then the analyst part of me started thinking through this whole discussion we're having in healthcare about price transparency and hospital costs and everything else. And I was startled to see uh, one line item charge was the uh, MRI, which was north of 10000 bucks. And I thought, hmm, that seems a little high. Um, so then I began looking around at all the price transparency sites for Middle Tennessee hospitals. And I found um, a variety of different commercial sites where I could um, put in various search parameters, like within 50 miles or 100 miles or 150 miles, and I got between 27 and 43 different pricing options. And... Then I looked for um, what was on the discharge summary, which was uh, the exact CPP code for this uh, exam. And it wasn't, I couldn't code that into my search specs on any of these commercial sites, this CPT 3100. So, well, that's a little interesting. So you're kind of guessing as to whether you're, comparing apples to apples. So the closest I could get was uh, MRI carotid or MRI neck. And then I got a wide range of uh, prices for between 27 and 43 different sources in the Middle Tennessee area. And from there, the analysts just got intrigued because I thought, hmm, the highest range was 3300 bucks for this uh Test, and yet, on my discharge uh, paper from the hospital that I got five weeks later, it said 10000 bucks. So I thought, hmm, a factor of three to one, the highest price from these commercial sites versus what was on the uh, charges that had been sent to the insurance company. And, you know, I've been around a while, and I know that they send it to the insurance company, and there's a negotiated price for that test. It's not ten thousand. The insurance company is going to pay uh, probably two thirds of that. But that's still at two thirds, or six to seven thousand dollars, twice what all these commercial sites had said the upper range would be. So I'm still intrigued. Um, it was a teachable moment, and. My conclusion from that was, one, in an emergency, it's all moot. I mean, you're really not thinking at that moment to say, wait a minute, um, how much is this test going to cost me? Can I go three blocks away and get this done cheaper? Uh, you're kind of at their disposal. Two, I was kind of amazed at the lack of comparability from these commercial sites because you can't put the CPT code in as a basis for comparison. Um, that's relevant because <laughs> what the new uh, guidance is, the hospitals and the rule that they have to follow the effective uh, January 1, 2019, is they have to post their charge master in a machine-readable format so everyone will have access to their charges for a CPP. So charges don't matter. 
The insurance part of this is kind of an unknown. It's an emergency situation, and the commercial sites seem to be looking at something very different than what I saw when I got this stuff from the hospital. So that's the analyst part of me. It's still a, it's still quite a, quite a teachable moment. Let, let's be clear about a, a few points. I take it the bill was not all-inclusive. It, it didn't even touch the doctor charges. Yeah, that was $621 ad, added from a separate bill. Um, and I'm sure there may be others to follow. But uh, no, that was just the hospital's emergency room uh, charge for my eight-and-a-half-hour stay on so that Saturday. For, for people fortunate enough not to be familiar with hospital billing, what did this bill actually show, and, and how should the numbers be understood? How could someone make sense of, of such numbers? Well, I think... First, you've got to be able to relate them to the specific charge uh, that the hospital is going to use as a basis for billing. That's the CPT code. So the first thing is that um, as you're reviewing your bill before you leave the hospital, you should look at that list of CPT codes. Yeah, that actually is what they did. That's what that is. Then at that point, they should say, here's what your insurance is likely to pay. Here's what our charges are. Here's what you're likely to pay out of pocket. None of that is available when you're in a hospital in that situation, nor, as I reflected, uh, I had a knee replacement three years prior, a uh, 51-hour stay in the hospital, which I cataloged in a similar way. Did I know as I left the hospital after 51 hours in the hospital for a total knee that same kind of information? I had a set of bills from the hospital. I had a separate set of bills from the doctors, and then I had another set of bills from rehab. So, you know, if, if we're imagining that price transparency is uh, anywhere near in the near future for what we spend in hospitals, uh, it's a long way off. Um, the process has to change dramatically. I've gotten uh, notes from people... Uh, CFOs and hospitals who say, well, you understand why we can't really give you that information. And I think, mm, well, I understand why it's not convenient for you to give me that information. But is that not being consistent with the notion of price transparency? Shouldn't we know what we're going to pay and what our responsibility is going to be out of pocket and at a minimum look at the bill that's going to be sent by the hospital to the insurance company um, as part of this process of empowering consumers. And now in the most recent experience in October and then that one three years ago, nothing much just changed. I should note the hospital sent the bill to your insurance company before you 
ever had a, a chance to review it. Yeah. And it took five weeks before you ever saw the first bill. Is that correct? Exactly. What's the consequence uh, of this kind of delay? I think there are a couple. Um, one, um, we have now almost half of the folks in this country that are covered by employer-sponsored insurance coverage who have a high deductible. They pay out of pocket a thousand, two thousand, up to five thousand dollars before their insurance kicks in. So that's cash flow. That's real money. That's money that they may spend on their uh, car or their house or their food. But now you get hit with a surprise bill, and you're really not aware of what that's going to be. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of sticker shock. I think there are going to be a lot of folks that think their insurance pays a lot more than it pays. And I think that's going to reflect um, poorly on the way the system equips people to manage their health and manage the cost of their health. So I think that's one from a from a policy standpoint. Uh, price transparency has to be presented in the context of the exposure individuals have to their out-of-pocket expense and the avoidance of sticker shock. And that's a big, uh, that's a big area that hurts people in middle and lower income thresholds dramatically. Uh, the only insurance they may be able to afford has a high deductible, like a $5,000 out-of-pocket. So they have some kind of insurance. Well, um, that 5000 could have been evaporated on my Saturday in the emergency room. And I'm not sure a lot of these folks, you know, you figure the median household income is about 60000 They could have wiped out a month of their salary from that one uh, day because of the structure of their insurance and the sticker shock. So that's a big area. I think the second is um, probably more um, the, the, the role of the hospital long term. Um, right now, the public's angst is targeted more toward drug prices. But when you peel the data back, hospital prices are right behind it as a source of frustration and growing resentment of the public. And a lot of it is in scenarios like mine, where it's not the insurance premium you pay, which you hope pays most of a hospital bill, but then you have a surprise charge that's sent already to the insurance company, and you're sitting here now seven weeks later, seven weeks later, and I still don't know what my out-of-pocket expense is going to be. So I think hospitals um, who spend a lot of money on making sure they can capture charges. The, the revenue cycle industry for hospitals is a big business. They need to be as diligent in equipping patients as consumers to anticipate and know what they're going to have to spend on their hospital care. And until we do that, um, it's not going to... Price transparency... 
transparency just be words? Uh, I'm, I still don't know seven weeks later what the, uh, charge is that my insurance company is going to accept for a charge by the hospital of 10,000 for that test, nor what my out-of-pocket exposure can be. And that's not consistent with patient-centered care, which seems to be what we talk about all the time. I couldn't help but think, as I read about your experience, that it's been five years since Steve Brill's exhaustive bitter pill examination in Time magazine. It's been five years since CMS began its efforts to make a public database available of hospital pricing. You've noted that a, a new law requires hospitals to have price transparency. What does that law require, and how effective has it been? <laughs> well, uh, it's the second bite at the apple. There was a similar uh, law in 2015 that required hospitals to make uh, charge master information available. And the new requirement in uh, 2019 is they have to make it available in a machine-readable format. In other words, they can't just export a PDF file to the web and let somebody go in and read a PDF file. You have to be able to uh, download the information, and then if you're so inclined to create algorithms and uh, manipulate that data. Bottom line? It will not matter. (laughs) Uh, It's more an opportunity for uh, data geeks and programmers to create tools like the 15 I've found as I researched my situation to come up with, here's what you might expect to pay if the stars are aligned based on our analysis. What they've done in this new rule is say, we're going to give private programmers and companies uh, the opportunity to mine this data and advise consumers what they might expect to pay. But at the end of the day, the negotiation is between a hospital and the insurance company. It's, it's, there's a very small part of the market that's paying retail price. Part of the, the reason to pursue price transparency is to create a a force that can exert some kind of control on rising health care prices. Why does price transparency matter, and why is it that you think that market forces will have a bigger impact on prices as opposed to price transparency creating a a check? Can you explain? Well, it, it, it One, do consumers pay attention to price or do they pay attention to what they pay out of pocket? Those are two different things. So, obviously, if you've got a very expensive medical condition and your insurance pays everything above $1,500 or $2,000, do you care how much it's going to cost? Or do you care that you're going to pay fifteen hundred or two thousand? Um, 
So the difference between what's paid out of pocket and prices are two different things. We haven't created a methodology to let consumers know what the total cost of care is. There's actually uh, an interesting project um, that was sponsored out of Minnesota by the partner system where they have a free software package so you can calculate total cost of care so that hospitals can say for your emergency room eight and a half hour experience that included this, this, and this, here's what the total costs are for those services. And now you can look at this and compare it to what your insurance company is going to reimburse the hospital. So there's more attention to this than uh, I think some people know, but um, it's a big deal. The the second issue here is um, if uh, we're moving from uh, piecework where every widget, every aspirin, every hour of the nurse's time, that test, that procedure, we're paying by the drink. And the payers, insurers, employers, Medicare, Medicaid say, that's the wrong way to get your arms around cost. We want to pay for all of the costs associated with that hip replacement or that open heart procedure. And we want the providers the doctors, the hospitals, the techs, uh, we want you to take some risk for the outcome. Um, that's the competition that's on the horizon, where I'm not concerned about what uh, that hospital charged for that MRI versus what it actually cost them. I know that for... Uh, an emergency room examination and workup in the case of someone suspected of significant dehydration, this hospital charges 8000 bucks all in. That's it. And how they do that and their outcome for that is also accessible to me so I can compare not just the cost, but I can compare their result. That's where we're going. We're moving away from pay-by-the-drink piecework to pay for the bundle, and the provider of that has to guarantee a certain outcome. And we're closer than a lot of people think. If that's the case, does the whole discussion around price transparency become moot? I think so. Now transparency is around the cost of the bundle. It's not around the cost of the test the cost of the pill. So it's the it's the price for that bundle, and it's your guarantee of what result I'll take. So what that does, it's kind of interesting, it forces uh, hospitals to actually work with their vendors, uh, like the device company or uh, the drug manufacturer, and say, so we're going to use your pill uh because we know the outcome is good. But you're going to have to take some risk with us. 
you can't just charge us and expect us to take all the risk. So every part of the fixed and direct costs associated with delivering that service is going to be renegotiated. Uh, and that's going to be an interesting uh, transition because uh, the healthcare system has always taken the position. We do the work, but we can't be held accountable for the result. Well, no more. Paul Keckley, Managing Editor of the Keckley Report. Paul, thanks so much for your time today. Always welcome. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.